Welcome to the Work Reset Revolution podcast. And I'm here today with Jackie Brassi, who is co-leader of Employee Health at the Help McKinsey Health Institute, and Barbara Jeffrey, who is McKinsey partner and co-leader of Employee Health at the McKinsey Health Institute. Welcome both. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. It's so wonderful to have you here on the on the, on our podcast today. And many of our listeners are really looking forward to to hearing from you. Um, so I'm going to kind of get started straight away, and I'd like to ask you, Barbara, um, what are the biggest challenges you think organisations are facing today? So we continue to be in a very volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous uh, world, and um, we've outlined. Um, eight big priorities for CEOs in, in 2024 as part of our research. And the first set of, of things are, are three really big sources of, uh, of disruption. Um, the first is um, there's going to be huge geo- geopolitical volatility this year. There's going to be 2 billion people going to the polls in 50 countries. Um, and that just introduces a huge degree of um, uncertainty. Um, the macroeconomic environment remains really uncertain, um, and um, also the story of last year and and probably the story of the decade has been the arrival of Gen AI, um, which is really going now from proof of concept to scale deployment, which has some pretty profound implications for organisations and and how they think about their people. And um, whilst those companies that have really um, uh, dominated the headlines of being the innovators. We think actually it's the organizations that really think about how to scale Gen AI that are really going to dominate the markets going forward. So there's some really big sources of disruption. Um, and I think then, you know, the priorities of the other remaining priorities are really for how companies respond to that. Um, you know, they need to continue to digitize um, outside of Gen AI. And as I said, that's going to have some pretty profound implications for organizational models, people, how they work. Um, finding growth continues to be, you know, the number one priority for, for many CEOs. And I think the angle on that is really how do leaders achieve that in a sustainable way? And um, which brings us to, a, to a, yeah. you know, one of the other big priorities, which is, you know, how do they do that in a way um, that is sustainable for their employees um, and also manage the energy transition? I think we're seeing the biggest capital reallocation in our lifetime. So I think there's some really big, profound um uh, implications, and I think in terms of people implications for that, um, I think it's around how companies are going to be investing in the capabilities that are really going to help prepare them to to achieve those trends, and also how they unlock the power of their employees, particularly um, the middle managers and 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 teams, because we'll we'll talk about the importance of teams to our research as well. And so those are just some of the really big things I think companies are really going to have to face. Um, it's a pretty daunting list, if I'm honest, um, but I think it has some pretty uh, profound implications for, you know, organizations in terms of who they are, who they want to be, and then how do they unlock the power of their employees to get there. And I love that, unlocking the power of their employees, because that really, you know, that can be at, at all different levels, really, can't it? Um, this inner power, and I know, you know, we're coming up to, and I'll have another question for you um, both, but maybe Jackie would like to take this next one. Um, so, that, so it's going to be an interesting year ahead. So I'm really curious to hear from you what you think are the solutions to these challenges. And maybe you'd also like to tell us a bit more about your research at McKinsey Health Institute. I was delighted to read your published report um, at the end of last year on reframing employee mental health 
and moving beyond burnout to to holistic health. And I, I know our audience would love to hear a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, thank you. A wonderful question. And uh, and it's a big question as well. There are many, many different things that organizations uh, need to focus on um, in, in the context of all the challenges that they face that uh, Barbara just spoke about. Um, many things are outside of control of the organizations, but there are also many within control. And I think the focus is really uh, about, well, what can we do and how can we actually um, build resilience and adaptability in our organization in such a way that we also can handle anything that's unforeseen that comes our way because it's navigating in chaos, right? Um, and uh, and a very important part is about building um, the health and well-being of employees. Um, and then that is the research that uh, that we have uh, that we have published end of uh, last year where we. We took our previous research uh, from two years ago where we focused on um, uh, the burnout, the state of burnout around the world um, yeah. uh, to actually a new view on uh, on employee health, which is the other side uh, of the spectrum, holistic health, which is about um, uh, mental, physical, spiritual and social health together. And what we found was that um, actually they can coexist. Um, people can still experience burnout symptoms, but also experience uh, 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 holistic health, um, but there are also different flavors of it. But the key thing is, uh, and that is um, increasingly understood, but it's uh, it, it's still very difficult for organizations uh, to understand how uh, and to focus on it, is that an organization actually uh, has a huge impact on the experience of employees and on their health and well-being. And, and, and our key outcome of that research uh, was that about 50% of the difference in holistic health experience is determined by the experience in the workplace. And uh, and so that goes beyond a yoga training on a Friday afternoon that goes beyond the mindfulness training that actually is all about bringing this understanding in the heart of how you run your organization. Um, so the key there is to, um, to focus on uh, the team level uh, because a lot of the solution can unlock at the team level. Uh, yeah. But to help people um, build skills and so yeah there's a lot of richness in there but in some uh, the solution to uh, to the the big challenges out there lies also within the uh, reach of the organization itself and which is all about um, taking care of your people in the right way which builds that adaptability and the resilience to navigate this storm yeah and i know in your research you talk about really you know this different level right so the individual the job the team and the organization and so yeah. could you maybe unpack that a little bit to explain you know sort of immediate strategies that organizations could do that that you know even if it's just from across the team level and what they could do to to shift and navigate uh, and make sure they're looking after their people yeah, absolutely. So what we explain in our research is uh, is a combination of um, uh, getting an understanding what actually um, drives challenges for people. And, and we call that enablers and demands. Um, and stress is not a bad thing. Stress is actually important. It's necessary uh, for performance. Um, but a lot happens at the team level that is uh, related to the unexpected and that can form a demand, that can be a stressor. What we saw was um, if you create uh, a sense of belonging or safety, uh, like psychological safety, many people have heard about that, uh, also a sense of meaning, yeah. um, authenticity, where people can be who they are, but also where they actually can experiment in a managed way. 
uh, that makes a huge difference to actually um, the well-being, but also to productivity and innovation, as we know. And uh, and that is not an automatic given. That is something you need to to learn, to develop. You need to be intentional. And so you need to also make sure that your people know how to create those environments. Um, yeah. Because if you build that in within a team level and within a team unit, a lot of stress can be managed. And you can talk about the difficult things. You can talk about the solutions. Uh, and then anything... So. Uh, you can actually design an organization theoretically in the perfect way, but then you cannot actually design um, for curveballs that unavoidably come. But if you have uh, created an environment, a team level where people can catch up for that and where uh, actually things can come to the table and can be discussed and also can be solved, then that builds that adaptability and resilience. But but another thing is also very important, Cara, that we found is um, it comes with the combination of individual skills. So the team leader is important, the team environment is important, but also the individual, uh, the self-efficacy and the adaptability that people have, and the the confidence that they have to 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 be part of that uh, to be part of that team, and also knowing how to actually uh, function and take care of yourself. So it's a it's a it's a mix where what we've seen um, we often hear that um, people think the solution is all about creating the right environment. On the one side, um, there is also uh, a stream of thinking that uh, that thinks a solution is all about uh, individually uh, building your resilience. And we very clearly see it's a combination. Um, it's uh, it's making sure that the right environment is there, but also people have the right skills. And, and it's very important for organizations to invest in that. Yeah, for sure. So just unpacking that a little bit further and um, knowing the research you also spoke and, uh, you know, thinking of the main drivers and, you know, symptoms of burnout, the reduced self-efficacy, exhaustion and disengagement. Um, one piece that we've seen in our research is the rise of something called moral stress and, and moral injury contributing to burnout. And one I know you talk about in the research um, toxic environments um, and how actually it is possible for employees that do meaningful work to sort of be okay in toxic environments. But I'd love to to maybe understand a little bit more about how are you seeing co- toxic environments arise? What is that? And what does that, what did that look like in your research? Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. And we've had so many conversations around this. It, it's really struck a chord around the globe and we had a lot of outreach. Um, basically, what we measured is uh, the experience of employees that um, either experience toxic behavior. We called it toxic because um, that that is it's clearly uh, not positive behavior. It is experienced by uh, being put down uh, by so, uh, your manager. Uh, my manager puts me down in front of others. Uh, or my colleagues uh, treat me badly or exclude me um, from conversations. It, it, it was a mix of very explicit bad behavior, but also yeah. um, subtle uh, exclusion behavior. And that experience, now that's an individual experience, right? But what we uh, what we see is the more that people experience this, uh, of course, that was a key driver of burnout because eventually that uh, wears you down. Now that uh, what we what we also saw was if you experience that in your organization, if you have that uh, happening, then no matter what else you do, um, you cannot move the needle on uh, well-being. Um, 
because it just doesn't uh, there, there you know you can do a couple of other things you can build self-efficacy you can build um maybe even inclusion can coexist with toxic the experience of toxic behavior surprisingly um but it's not enough it it is uh, it will wear people out so you need to focus on that immediately uh, we also saw that people that um, have self-efficacy skills and adaptability skills will not stay um, because they just decide that this organization is not uh, right for them and they will leave the organization. So it is not the right thing to um, to avoid it or to, to say we just act as if it doesn't exist. But we got a lot of questions um, and it's critical to attend to that. Yeah, thank you. And Barbara, would you be able to elaborate a little bit more on the different levels? Um, just, you know, in terms of your research, it would be great for our audience to hear that. Sure. So we looked at a number of different drivers, um, over 30 different drivers, to looking at both health-related outcomes and also work-related outcomes, and looked at those both as um, uh, demands and enablers, and categorised those across uh, individual job, uh, a team and organisational level. And I think the big surprise for us is what drove burnout is quite different to what drives holistic health. So if you look at what drives burnout, um, 95% of that is driven by factors at team and job level in terms of what it, the explainable variance um, in terms of the, the negative outcomes. So um, whereas when you look at holistic health, it's much broader in terms of what drives um, that across organization, team, uh, job and individual. Um, but what remains constant is the importance on team um, across both uh, mitigating negative outcomes and positive outcomes. Um, but what is interesting is as you move towards more optimal health, the individual becomes much more important. So in terms of burnout, only 3% of the mm. uh, variance is driven by the individual, whereas when you look at more positive holistic health, that goes up to 28%. So for us, it was very um, clear in terms of the messaging that when you're focusing on mitigating burnout, the team and job becomes really important. Whereas when you're promoting more optimal, more holistic health, being able to create interventions across all four of those layers is really important. That's fascinating. Um, thank you for, for sharing that as well. And um, I'm just, if we were to go towards a world where we're measuring all of this, right? Um, just hypothetically, you know, how looking at measuring I'd say probably it's easier to measure physical um, um, and, and mental health, but how do we look at how do you, and how did you sort of um, address that in the, in the research on the spiritual uh, piece or even, you know, emotional, social health? How did you sort of uh, research that? So what we use to measure holistic health, uh, we call it holistic health because actually we saw that uh, uh, everything was very closely uh, correlated. So basically, we had a set of questions, uh, Cara, on on the four dimensions: so mental, uh, physical, spiritual, and social. Um, but they are not just an opinion; they were really focused on functioning, which makes it less of uh, just an attitude. It 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 makes it more about uh, being being able to participate in in life in a meaningful way. Uh, and so we had a set of questions that represent mental um, mental health functioning, physical health functioning, and social and spiritual as well and so in indeed in the mental and the physical it, it probably is easy to understand for a spiritual um it, it had more to do about how people are able to integrate meaning in life and and how they exp 
experience a sense of purpose. And we did not measure this in with regards to the organizational context, but just in general. So this was a, a generic uh, way of experiencing it. And then we looked at how work experience was feeding into that. For social, it's all about networks and connections and uh, and being able to be part of um, yeah. of, a, of, a, of a community. Um, and so by answer, asking these questions, then what we did, because everything, I forgot to say that, but everything we measured is evidence-based. Uh, and so we did a lot of the psychometrical research and the advanced analytics in the background to see did they actually fit together. And then um, technically you can make one overarching a dimension and that's what we call holistic health and the one key thing is and i think that is often uh, assumed by people but often forgotten um that these things are all these these four dimensions are all very strongly correlated and so of course uh, physical health will influence mental health. Of course, spiritual and social health also influences mental health and vice versa. So it's very important in a holistic way to take care of yourself. Um, and that feeds into, of course, and also how do you lead your organization? How do you lead your teams? And how do you lead yourself and your personal operating model? Right? And, th and that feeds into why a lot of this also um can help you uh, make decisions about how do we actually recover in organizational settings? Do we take care of, of our way of working? Do we provide enough space where people can recover or take breaks or take care of themselves? Uh, sleep is an essential one. Nutrition is another one. And so it, it's all related, but we measure yeah. that through uh, questions. Uh, of course, you can measure uh, it also in a different way, but for um, the purpose of our study, we focused on asking individuals and how they experience it because we wanted to know what the individual is going through and yeah. what their truth is. Yeah, that amazing. Yes, wonderful. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I would like to come to the fun bit now. Um, and it's all fun, actually. But um, I'd like to ask you our, our last question. Given we're in a time of real change and shift, I'd love to hear from you maybe first, Barbara. What does a work research revolution look type like to you? So for me, I think it goes from the focus on uh, mitigating uh, poor employee health or ill health to promoting optimal health. Um, and for me, this is really about um, not uh, encouraging companies to invest more. I think many companies are investing very heavily in employee health and well-being, but it's about investing better to get a better return on their ROI. Amazing. Thank you. And what, what does that mean for you, Jackie? What does a work reset revolution look like to you? Yeah, thank you. I really, I love this question. I, I think it's really an exciting time that we're in. Um, and I, I think we need to move from uh, reactivity to proactivity and intention. Um, we're entering this era of uh, change on many fronts as discussed. I think Gen AI, further digitization, operating model change and so on. And it's critical for organizations to have a view on employee health and intentionally bake that thinking into the DNA of the ongoing transformation with a focus on future organizational fitness and adaptability. And now is the moment to do that. Um, so it's super exciting and I can't wait to see um, what is unfolding in the year to come. Thank you so much. So actually having organizations think and be ready for, you know, change, for the big changes that are ahead and how to incorporate the holistic health piece within that um, is the messages I'm getting here. All right, just one additional thing on that. I, I would say, you know, now is the moment. 
um, and that organizations can't um, bury their head in the sand. Um, you know, we are seeing a huge capital reallocation towards sustainability. And I would argue that employers can either, you know, choose to do this to themselves or else have it done to them um, by their investors. And so, um, you know, I think now is really the moment. Exactly. Absolutely. So as we always like to say, let's reimagine the future. The brain needs to know where it's going to. So getting those kind of uh, messages out and having people think about it um, also helps with um, the fear and uncertainty, really. So helping making sure that well-being is uh, a business goal and is set there. So thank you both so much. Um, it's been a delight to have you today. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for listening to the Work Research Revolution. I'd like to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. As a next step, share this episode with anyone that you think may benefit. Follow us on LinkedIn at Softer Success for more inspiration to change the way we work and contact us at info softersuccess.com to find out more about our burnout assessment tool. If you have any feedback on how to improve, please do reach out to me as I'm always keen to learn more. Thank you so much for listening and we'll meet again on the next episode of Work Reset Revolution.